0: Mark Harris from Full Pits of Congress. Mike Rowe and his mom talk mothers. And Becky Buller and the Fairfield Four perform. That's Drake Corley and the Music City Connection. And Iger announcer Keith Wilbury.
1: I think the audience has come alive. (laughs) I was worried about them before the show, but they've shown up and we're happy about that. And you know what else? We've made it through Thanksgiving and the elections were held over two weeks ago, but they're still counting and finding ballots in Broward County, Florida. I don't know about you, but I'm politically fatigued after two straight years of some folks just not being able to accept the results of an election, and it seems to take discovering new votes, counting some more than once, or accepting votes from people who aren't citizens, or who've been dead for years, or who voted in several places to get the desired results. I think it's time to get the Christmas decorations up. It's time to send the Christmas cards and start ordering gifts and take a real break from the contentious world of politics. Hey, I love politics because I love my country. And I know that our political system is the vehicle to enact policies that can make a difference in people's lives. I mean, I'd love to see poverty eliminated in my lifetime right here in the US. I really would. I'd love to... I'd love to never hear of another child or spouse being battered and abused. I'd love to one day know that our culture wouldn't accept as okay for an unborn baby to be torn into many pieces by money-grubbing empires like Planned Parenthood, who victimize not just the babies, but the birth mothers who are also a victim in that process. Hey, I'd love to see every school a place where a child could learn regardless of whether he or she is rich or poor, black or white or male or female. And I'd love to know that if a person gets cancer or has a child with a developmental disability, there would be access to affordable treatment and that a family wouldn't have to become destitute and lose their home and their last dime before they had any help. I'd love to see every neighborhood safe from random shootings, drug users on the streets, and from just filth. I'd love to know that every single veteran who ever served this country would never be homeless and ever have to cope with PTSD alone and in the streets. I would be thrilled if the news media just gave us the unbiased facts and let us make up our own minds as to what it means to us. And it would really make my day if people using social media would get a sense of humor if they would stop being phonies who pretend that they are offended by everything, and if they wanted to say something, then I wish they would have the guts to say it on the record and put their real name behind it and not hide behind some wimpish, cowardly, silly, fake name. Yeah, I'd love to see entertainers and athletes perform and play without feeling obligated to lecture me and belittle me for my political views or my faith. And I'd be ecstatic if folks in Washington would solve some real problems rather than ignore the elections and try to overturn them with phony investigations and accusations, but but for those things to happen, we've got to become involved in politics and elect the best people who will work to create policies and laws that will empower people with good jobs in a decent education, a safe community, clean water and air, and a government that treats everyone the same, whether they're Democrat or Republican. So I'm glad the elections are finally over. I really am. But the work to make America even better is never gonna be over. So we need to keep praying, keep thinking, and keep voting. But let's not do it till at least after Christmas. My first guest is a former Baptist pastor who won a very tight race to become the representative of North Carolina's ninth district. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I supported Mark Harris in his bid for Congress. Happy that I did. Welcome Congressman-elect, Mark Harris. Well, Congressman, I am very happy to have you join me today. And I want to begin by going a little bit back to the campaign. In the last days, you were rather viciously attacked for messages you had preached about marriage. I was shocked
2: by that. W- were you? Going back in the archives and, and pulling a sermon uh, out of uh, the archives and then pulling literally phrases out of context in order to make a political point or a political ad was really something I, I just didn't see coming. So uh, it was it was disappointing as well as surprising.
1: Let's move on now to the fact that you've, going to you know, be leaving the pastorate. You've done that, headed to Congress. Tell us about the transition.
2: Well, yes, sir. We are in the midst of that transition right now, uh, actually in Washington, D.C., uh, during a time of uh, new member orientation, which is certainly an exciting time to be here, uh, learning a whole lot as we uh, go through and have gone through the week about uh, exactly setting up our congressional offices, staffing them, uh... budgets and and all kinds of things Of course things are going to be a little bit different than uh... what we had hoped or anticipated in that uh... i'm going to be in the minority party uh... starting out but uh, it is an exciting time and we believe that uh... we we've got to have our voice heard right here in the halls of congress well i think it's uh, fair to say it won't be as much fun with
1: nancy pelosi as the speaker as it would have been with maybe kevin mccarthy or steve scalise What does that mean to you in terms of how effective you can be when you're in the minority?
2: Well, I tell folks, you know, I ran for U.S. House of Representatives from the ninth District of North Carolina to represent the people of the ninth District. So whether I'm doing that from the position of the majority party or whether I'm doing that from the position of the minority party, that really is going to continue to be my first task. The president came in and campaigned for you on several occasions. Was that a net help, uh, neutral,
1: or did it hurt your campaign?
2: Uh, We were excited to have him. He came and did a fundraiser just before Labor Day, and then he came in uh, actually the Friday after early voting had gotten underway and did one of his great rallies for myself and Congressman Ted Budd uh, in District 13. And while we were uh, two of the races that were targeted across the country, uh, both Ted and I, Uh, managed to get through and won our races and and i do think the president no doubt was a net positive
1: you were attacked in the campaign for your faith some people would uh... maybe suggest that you need to just leave your faith in north carolina not take it with you to
2: washington i don't intend to change who i am i do think it's important that uh... i understand and remember every single day that on january third I'm gonna raise my hand and I'm gonna take an oath of office. And that oath will include to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America.
1: Congressman, I have heard you speak of the powerful impact of your father upon you, your life, and some things he said to you. We only have about a minute left, but I wondering if in that minute you could condense that because I think
2: it's a very powerful reflection. My dad was raised at the Methodist Children's Home, uh, and I will always be forever grateful to the United Methodist Church for raising my daddy there in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He went off into World War II at age 18, and uh, he was a waste gunner on a B-17. His plane was shot down on November 2, 1944. He was captured and spent from November 2nd, 1944 till the end of the war in a Nazi prison camp. And I had to meet with my dad before I could make this decision to step into this arena. I just knew in my heart I had to. So I went and I shared with him what, he, uh, what I was thinking of doing. And I'll never forget, he just looked at me and said, well, son, just please be careful. And I said, well, dad, to hear that from you uh, is a little bit of a shock because the greatest generation always said that it's not about me, but it's about all of us and what's best and right for the nation. And that's what's been missing, I think, in Washington, D.C., are men and women that are standing in Congress and looking from that 30,000-foot view that are willing to do what is best and right for America. And so I left my dad's home that day really understanding that that's what God had called me to do.
1: Our thanks and prayers for North Carolina Representative-elect Mark Harris. I'm sure he's going to be thinking of Daniel in the lion's den as he prepares for life in Washington. You can keep up with him online at MarkHarrisForCongress.com. Take it away, Keith.
0: Well, coming up, the stunt comedy of Max Winfrey and TV favorite Mike Rowe and his mom. Plus a performance by Becky Buller and the Fairfield Four. There's lots more Huckabee on.
1: Did you know that according to the left, there are now 57 genders? Now, is this just lunacy or a concerted effort to increase government power over the most intimate areas of our life? My next guest addresses that question and many more in her new book, Love Thy Body, answering hard questions about life and sexuality. Please welcome best-selling author and Professor Nancy Piercy. Nancy, I'm so happy to have you here.
3: Thank you.
1: Your book talks about things that a lot of people are afraid to even mention because we're living in a very politically correct world. So tell me, what is the most important message out of Love Thy Body?
3: And so in Love Thy Body, I cut through the politically correct slogans and uh, give an expose of the secular liberalism that is being aggressively promoted in schools, Hollywood, media, politics. And in the process, I show people how they can um, debunk the negative stereotypes that are so common. You're hateful, you're bigoted. Hmm. And instead, reach out to people with a positive message.
1: In the book, you say that secular liberalism destroys human rights. Give us some examples and let's, let's start with abortion.
3: Right, most professional bioethicists today agree that life begins at conception. Uh, The evidence from science, from genetics and DNA, is just too strong to deny it. But (laughs) their stance is summed up by a recent article that was titled, So What If Abortion Ends Life? What they're saying is, as long as the fetus is merely human, it's just a disposable piece of matter. Mm. It can be killed for any reason or no reason. In other words, merely being human is not enough for human rights.
1: What is the common thread that links uh, things like abortion, homosexuality, uh, other issues like euthanasia?
3: They all depend on a secular liberal ethic that devalues the body, hence the title Love Thy Body. So let's take homosexuality. No one really denies that on the level of biology, physiology, anatomy, chromosomes, Males and females are counterparts to one another. That's how the human sexual and reproductive system is designed. To embrace a same-sex identity, then, is implicitly to contradict that design. It's to say, why should my body inform my identity? Why should my biological sex, as male or female, have any say in my moral choices? This is a profoundly disrespectful view of the body.
1: We're told we're on the wrong side of history to believe that marriage can only be between a, man, a, a male and a female.
3: Christians have always been on the wrong side of history, <laughs> but that's why they changed history. <laughs> it was Christianity that changed the world because it stood against the traditional ethic of the ancient Roman and Greek world. We should never say Christian ethics are traditional. They've always been countercultural. but that's why they've had an effect in changing the course of history.
1: And, and we hear this, a person should be able to love whoever they want to love.
3: Here was an interesting fact of history. The early church had to face the problem of sexual slavery because slaves were so common. The Roman treasury, a, a, good, a, good, um, a large segment of the Roman treasury was taxes from prostitution. That's how extensive prostitution was. So the church had to face, what about all these prostitutes who are becoming Christian, or slaves who are becoming Christians who who cannot say no to their masters? If they say no, their life is at stake. And so as a result, the church said, what do we do in terms of, they called it coerced sin, Hmm. meaning how can you tell people to say no to, to essentially sexual slavery when their life is at stake? It took a couple of centuries. But eventually, the Christians had enough political clout to pass the first laws against sexual slavery. So today, as sexual slavery is coming back again, we need to draw on our own heritage. The Christian church from the beginning has stood for the the sacredness of the male-female bond in marriage, and in the process has elevated the status of marriage and elevated the status of women. And that's our, that's our heritage that we need to recover.
1: Before we run out of time, I want to talk about transgenderism because it's so prevalent today. California and other states are now saying that you don't identify male or female at birth, you wait and let the child make the decision later. That seems absurd to many of us.
3: So there's a BBC documentary on the subject that said the heart, at the heart of the debate is the idea that your mind can be at war with your body, at war, and of course in that war the mind wins. I recently read an interview with a 14-year-old girl who had lived as a trans boy. For three years from age 11 and then reclaimed her identity as a girl. And in the interview, she said, the turning point came when I realized it's not conversion therapy to learn to love your body.
1: Uh, Nancy Piercy's book, Love Thy Body. You can find all of her books, including her latest, Love Thy Body, at Amazon or her website, nancypeercy.com, where you can also read her newsletter, The Piercy Report. That's NancyPiercy.com. All right, Keith. Why don't you report to the audience on what we might have coming up right after this.
0: Headlines with a punchline are coming up next, along with the amazing stunts of Max Winfrey. Then later, TV's dirty job man, Mike Rowe and his mom, and some important thoughts from Mike
1: a little hoedown. But as I look over there, I realize that Trey has pulled a fast one on me. Hey, Trey, we got a new member of the band over there you didn't tell me about? Absolutely, well, you know, we heard that Becky Butler was gonna be singing
4: tonight. Yeah. And she's also a killer fiddle player. So no she kidding. agreed
1: to sit in with us
4: tonight and it's very much a pleasure to have her. She's a very cool lady.
1: I say you are right. you know, You're very, very right. We think the Music City Connection is about as fine a band as you'll ever hear anywhere in the country. And we say that with all objectivity. But tonight they're even better because they got Becky with them and we're thrilled to have her here. All right, can you imagine a book that actually brings people together? Ranging from Van Jones on CNN, all the way to Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council. From Tony Orlando to Steve Ducey. They all endorse the book, Rare, Medium, Are Done Well. Guess who wrote it? I did, that's right. It's my brand new book and it is available at bookstores, Amazon, and you can get autographed copies at MikeHuckabeeBook.com. Now, relax, it's not a political book. It is a book of inspiration and how to make the most of your life. I think it's a great gift book for Christmas or just because you care about others. And with thoughtful questions at the end of each chapter, it's a great book for your Bible study, small group or men's or women's group. So I hope you'll check it out. Rare, medium are done well. Well, from the world's stinkiest fruit to an alligator in the hot tub, I smell the aroma of news on a segment that we call In Case You Missed Missed It. we all know that airline travel is a chore. I know it probably better than you because I'm on planes four or five days a week most weeks. There's the parking, the TSA lines, and aisles in the plane so narrow that even a Republican and Democrat have to work together just to get on the flight. (laughs) And the list goes on. Is there really anything that could make the whole experience worse? Well, how about a cargo hold emitting a smell that had passengers asking What died on this plane? Passengers on a scheduled flight to Jakarta were overwhelmed by a stench that can only be described as a cocktail of garlic, Limburger cheese, and a splash of dirty gem socks. Our audience is just gasping. What was the culprit? Durian, the undisputed champion of the stinkiest fruit on earth. The Indonesian airliner had several thousand pounds of the thorny fruit in its cargo hold. Apparently, durian is an acquired taste. That's an understatement. But it sounds more like an exotic disease that you come down with to me. In fact, the late Anthony Bourdain once said of the after effects of eating durian, that it left a smell like you've been French kissing your dead grandmother. Ugh. I don't even wanna say that ever again. <laughs> Let those words never come out of my mouth again. The odor on the plane was so horribly pungent that protesting passengers almost came to blows with the flight attendants. Wonder if they were going to serve it as an in-flight snack along with a gas mask. Well, passenger Amir Zedane eventually helped save the day by leading everyone on board in a chant. Who on this plane wants to fly? which was answered with a resounding, not us, by all the passengers. The airline capitulated and the flight was delayed over an hour as they deboarded the passengers and removed the offending fruit. Now, the moral of the story, friends, don't count your durian before they're hatched. Did you get that? The fruit was kept behind the hatch that leads to the cargo hold. Okay, so that joke stinks, I got it. Turning to other aeronautic antics, an American Airlines baggage handler accidentally fell asleep in the cargo hold of a plane, and he flew from Kansas City to Chicago. The male employee was working on an American Airlines plane when he fell asleep in the forward hold of the aircraft. American Airlines stated, quote, the flight subsequently took off with the team member in the cargo hold, which was heated and pressurized, end quote. Sounds like this fellow may have created yet another ticket level for the airlines. Ultra economy. That's where you can't check a bag because you are the bag. (laughs) Of course, how many people can meet the 50-pound and 62-inch restrictions to qualify for such a ticket? So when the flight landed at Chicago O'Hare, the employee was discovered by baggage handlers there. Now, since he didn't have a bag tag on, the man (laughs) rode around the baggage carousel for almost 45 minutes. Okay, so that part we made up. The employee allegedly told Chicago police that he had consumed several alcoholic beverages. You think? He most likely will not be paid for his one hour airborne nap and his return trip to Kansas City was apparently by way of UPS ground service. So what can Brown do for you? Keep this guy off our planes for one thing. And by the way, in a related incident would be imbibing passengers on the plane were disappointed when flight attendants announced that there would be no alcoholic beverage service on the flight as all the liquor had already been consumed. <laughs> now from our wild world of animals file, it looks like the people of Luxembourg need to send their felines back to mousing school. A gentleman captured the footage of a cat in one town that tried to do its duty only to turn tail and flee flee one of the rodents that it was supposed to eliminate. The scaredy cat turned tail and fled away. The emboldened rat was in hot pursuit. Now, Luxembourg is the least likely place in the world to be shot. But who would have thought of this kind of (laughs) rat-a-tat-tat? Oh, they're turning on me again, Keith, they are. (laughs) But hey, at least Luxembourgers love to hop, and they do so at an annual ceremony in honor of St. Willibord. Now this has nothing to do with the story, but I find the tradition a little fascinating. But if anyone wants to clear their neighborhood of loud and unruly cats, Luxembourg rodents, they're the baddest in the land. Get you one. All right, well, America's not the... <laughs> America's not the only country watching the walking dead. Over in Kazakhstan, a man who had been dead and buried for two months showed up at his family's house. Mr. Agali Sup Agaliv was pronounced dead after his badly burned remains were proved to be him by some DNA test. Local authorities issued his death certificate and they buried him in the town of Tumarli, which is his hometown. His family members said, we held awake and we shared tea and sympathy. So when Uncle Agali came walking through the door, family members nearly died themselves from shock. Well, apparently when Igali left home one morning, he was offered work in a nearby village and he thought, why not? And he headed off to the job. When the work was finished four months later, he headed back home. So what can we learn from this story? Well, perhaps an Aigali in the village is worth two in the bush or one in the ground. <laughs> and we also learn actions speak louder than words. Especially when people think you're dead. And here's something else we learned, maybe the most important: Get the unlimited plan and call our text home next time, when you're going to take a four-month job. And as we love to remind you, we read the news. So we don't have to. And there you go. Well, our next guest has created a unique space in entertainment as a stunt comedian. If you've never seen him, or you've had to duck his knives of the occasional chainsaw or kitchen sink, then put on your seatbelt, as you never know what's next, with the incredible Mr. Max Winfrey.
4: Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Got a question for you guys: you ever tried juggling? It's tough, isn't it? I've been working on uh, stuff that's not made for juggling, like tennis rackets. Now. Here's a tip, if you're going to try this yourself, work on flipping them without smacking yourself in the face. (laughs) Not a problem with that. Here you have the single flip, double flip, triple flip. Now, I've been been working for years, years to be able to catch the handle every time. Quadruple flip, really tough. (laughs) Oh great, you're not impressed. (laughs) Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was thinking all that worked for nothing. You can do tricks with the rackets. Here it is, juggling off the chin. <laughs> oh, off the shoulder. <laughs> off the floor. Sorry, <laughs> right, I dropped it on purpose. I call it the pickup without stopping. <laughs> Somebody picked that up, Leash. Sir, can you get the racket? Go ahead, sir. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Can you throw it to me? When I tell you, oh, gosh. Thank you. Bullseye. Well, that concludes our audience participation. Here's a tough one under the leg. Do the other one. <laughs> All right, here it is. Whoa, whoa! You like that? Other leg. Under both legs. <laughs> Appreciate that vote of confidence, thank you. <laughs> here you go, under both legs. Briefly. I got it, sir. Please keep your seat. Here's a cool trick. I don't have a name for it, but it makes me look good. <laughs> and if you speed it up, it looks like this. Hey, there it is. Three rockets, juggling. You know, before the show, I met a lovely lady from the audience. I'd like to bring her up here and include her in this next routine. Please welcome Linda Carter. Come on up, Linda. Been doing some kind of stunts and stuff. I'm going to try to teach you a trick, if you would. Give her some encouragement, ladies and gentlemen. You seem so nice. I hope we get, hope this is okay. Yeah. This is a balancing trick. It's called the roll of bola. The object here, stand on top of the green board as it sits across the free-rolling cylinder.
3: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
4: just jump right up there.
2: Okay.
3: (laughs) No, thank you. All right, you little prima donna.
4: (laughs) Take it slow. Stand on that side facing me, both feet up on the board. Okay. Here it is. Human catapult. would that be cool? Right back to your seat, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Let me explain how it works. You have your right foot on this side of the board, your left foot on this side, and we roll you up onto the cylinder.
2: Uh Now,
4: since this is probably your first time on this kind of thing, you're gonna feel very unstable.
2: Yes, I'm sure.
4: (laughs) That's why I'm gonna move back out of the way. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm gonna be spotting you around the waist, closely from behind. (laughs) (laughs) And since you don't know me, that might make you a little uncomfortable. But just remember, I'm gonna keep things on a professional level. Okay, okay. Let me get a little breath-bent. <laughs> Kidding. Right foot here, left foot here. Really?
3: Yeah. Okay. 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 okay.
4: Here we go, one, two, three, Hop. Woo. <laughs> okay, um, hold on. Put some weight on your
5: legs. What?
4: <laughs> and pretend you have bones. <laughs> 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 oh, that's actually really good. Ooh. Look, Mom, no hands. <laughs> Tell me, um, did you come here alone this evening?
3: Yeah, I have my husband.
4: Oh, your husband's here. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to move back just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> As yet.
0: Okay.
4: All right, you're on your own now.
0: <laughs> oh.
4: <laughs> Remember, sir, these are only tricks. Uh, yeah. It's just an illusion. I'm rubbing your wife's leg, okay? <laughs> All right, you're doing great, Linda. Get ready for the backflip dismount. <laughs> Please wait for the ride to come to a full and complete stop. Gather all your personal belongings and exit to your right. One, two, three, down. Give it up, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. It was awesome. Okay. Yeah. The reason I brought you on stage is I needed somebody to help me out with a trick. So just hold on to the steel hoop. Move back just a little bit. I'm going to get on the roller bowl. I'll catch my balance. You hand me the hoop and dive through it. (laughs) Is this jacket flammable? (laughs) I'm kidding, Uh, just hand me the hoop. Folks, I'm gonna try to pass the hoop around my body without leaving the board. Watch this. I'm gonna do the jump start. that was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna be doing the rolling start. Okay. All right, Linda, hand me the hoop. All right, now get back there and spot me like I did you. <laughs> Another satisfied customer. Where's your husband at? How are we doing, sir? All right, don't squeeze the Charmin. Okay. Right, just... just. Okay folks passing the hoop around my body without leaving the board. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. My lovely assistant is not impressed. (laughs) We'll do it the hard way. (laughs) Let me tell you a story about a man named Jade. (laughs) Okay, I got it. I hate this part.
2: <laughs> okay.
4: All right, now, passing the hoop from one shoulder to the other. <laughs> ah! Man, you ever have a major wedgie before? <laughs> Talking continental divide. All right, who took the big hoop? All right, I'm going to go south. It's a boy. (laughs) Oh man, darn it. I gotta go to the bathroom. (laughs) Uh, Houston, we have a problem. Linda, Linda, could you give me, could you give me a hand please? Excuse me, I'm doing the comedy here, young young lady. Get over here, gently tug at the hoop up at my shoulder.
2: The hoop,
4: what? Just gently tug at the hoop up at my shoulder.
2: Oh, gently.
4: Forcefully yank at the hoop up at my shoulder.
1: Perfect. <laughs> okay. Hey, Linda, ladies and gentlemen, you were fantastic. Uh, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Much.
4: Thank
1: you. Let's hear it for Max Winfrey.
4: Winfrey. Thank you so much, Governor.
1: That was awesome. Pleasure. Thank you, sir. Oh my gosh oh wow that was awesome except for one thing linda will never again go to a live show of any kind (laughs) she's ruined ever by the way linda's husband would like to see you after the show He'll be waiting backstage.
4: I'll, uh, I'll wait to see you at the deposition.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, you know, look, I love comedy, and I love when people can do things that the rest of us are in awe of. You use this, though, as a means not only of entertaining, but of, of really helping people to kind of understand what makes you tick. What does make you tick? Well, you know, I just, I really love,
4: um, that, uh, live performance with the audience and you, you do things like we did tonight with Linda, you never know what's going to happen. But I, one thing I've learned is that people are very funny. You see yeah. how funny she was? I never met her before. And I love that situation of walking that tightrope and not knowing what's going to happen. So I started as a street performer, so that, that gave me a lot of improv training.
1: But I'm glad you picked Linda to come up and do it. She was a good sport, because if you'd have picked me, you'd never be back on this show again.
4: (laughs) That's what I was worried about. I I think I'm gonna
1: save the worst (laughs) stuff for my last appearance with you. Well, you've gotta come back, Max. Absolutely wonderful having you here. Thank you. It's an honor. Hey, you need to see Max Winfrey in person like all of us got to do. You can invite him for your church or your corporate event because everyone, needs a little more stunt comedian in their lives. To find out more about having Max in your area, go to maxwinfrey.com, maxwinfrey.com. It is on your screen. Keith, I don't know what in the world you're gonna juggle over there. Maybe you can juggle us up some information about the show.
0: Oh, I just can't wait for the knives flying in. Coming up, it's TV star Mike Rowe with his mom, plus the vocal sounds of Becky Buller and the Fairfield Four. Then later, Mike has a recipe for success on the wrap. So stay tuned.
1: My next guest has his own show Saturday nights on TBN, but he's no longer the biggest celebrity in his family. Boy, is that ever feeling a little familiar to me. Well, we welcome the author of the hot new bestseller, About My Mother. Oh, and her son is here, too. I hope you'll make some noise for Peggy and Mike Rowe. Peggy and Mike, great to have you guys here. Great to be here. Thanks. It
6: really is nice to be here.
1: Well, Mike, I can talk to you anytime, so I want to spend some real time talking to your mother, Peggy. First of all, Peggy, I'm totally blown away by the fact that you really started writing when you were in your 60s. (laughs)
6: Well, I dabbled a little before my 60s, but I started publishing in my 60s, newspapers and magazines. And I did write a couple of children's middle grade novels, but they didn't go anywhere. I couldn't get anybody to read them. So I gave gave up on those. (laughs) They were not (laughs) pop-ups.
1: Well, this book uh, about my mother is really your story and the relationship you had with your mother, Thelma. And and it's just a a terrific read. What inspired you to say, I want to write a book about the relationship with my mother?
6: Well, as I said, I started writing some years ago, but I wrote some stories about my mother, stories that appear in the book. And they were published in newspapers and magazines, and they were very well received. And I could tell by the comments that people, people could relate, and people like to talk about how their lives were like my life growing up. And so I decided, well, you know, if people like these stories so much, maybe I'll just do a book. And so I did. One thing that
1: I found uh, remarkable, your mother had sort of a change of life in a way, once the Baltimore
6: Orioles came to Baltimore, where uh, you guys live. it was shocking. She was a refined. <laughs> she was a lady. I mean, she she played contract bridge. She went to the opera. she went to the the ballet. She dressed impeccably, and her home was always something looked like was out of a magazine it was just always spotless and well decorated and that was my mother and then all of a sudden in 1954 the baltimore orioles came to town and that all went out the window my mother (laughs) became somebody i didn't even know she was such a passionate fan for the baltimore orioles
1: now is it true that once she was in a department store and actually took off her blouse in order to try on an Orioles jersey. Did that really happen?
6: This and everything in my book happened. I don't, I don't lie. It's not like
1: Mike stuff, huh?
6: It's a. No. That's right. It's a, really. I'll make stuff
5: up. This is
6: gospel. I was pushing my mother through Macy's, and it was like rush hour in in Macy's. She was in a
5: wheelchair, to be clear. Yeah, I was okay. pushing her. Yeah, okay. she was in a
6: wheelchair, and and she spotted an Orioles jersey and she she pointed ahead like a cavalry officer and she said that way and and step on it <laughs> and so i pushed her over there i should have seen a red flag but she stood up from the wheelchair held up a jersey and said this would be perfect for the Maryland Day celebration tomorrow and then she proceeded to unbutton her blouse take it off and throw it to me and then she put the jersey on but she stood there in her underwear for several minutes before she could, uh, you know, negotiate the jersey. It was very embarrassing. And she didn't like oh, to get to the dressing room.
5: Like <laughs> she, knocks, she knocks a mannequin down after this. The bald head comes off the mannequin and oh, rolls no. down the aisle of the Macy's. And <laughs> customers scatter because the woman in the bra appears to be on some kind of rampage. It was a good moment.
6: And she said to me, nobody's interested in a 90-year-old woman in a bra. <laughs> Turns out they are.
1: Yep. <laughs> so, Mike, at what point did you encourage your mother to put all these stories into a book?
5: I never encouraged her to write the book she wrote. I always encouraged her to write because mm-hmm. I honestly believe, bias aside, uh, she's Irma Bombeck, um, personified. She's mm. America's grandmother at a time when America needs a grandmother. But you and I have talked about this before. You know, There, there are no new ideas. Yeah. What happens is good ideas come along and they just sort of hover there, kind of like a pop fly that's not going up or coming down, mm. and the world spins. And the headlines sometimes catch up to good ideas. Um, that happened for me with Dirty Jobs. And it's happened today with my mom's book. You, I think, more than anyone, have looked around the landscape and seen the divides in the country. Yeah. And we can see in the headlines the things that keep us apart. So if you, if you want to offer something uh, hopeful, then you have to find something that's, that's indisputably uniting. Motherhood is mm. up there, along no. with work. You know, and along with a few other things that I think we would all agree are, are virtues, she tapped into it. And Facebook
1: and the, and the country are catching up to her. Well, Peggy, we love your son. We think he's terrific. We're thrilled his show is on TBN. Just enjoy him as a person and love what he does to encourage people uh, to take pride in their jobs and their work. But I want to tell you forget about him. You're my new favorite, Roe. <laughs> I, I love the book. <laughs> I love hearing these great stories, and everybody in America is going to enjoy them. Peggy, thank you for sharing your wonderful story with all of us and giving us a great reason to smile.
6: Well, thank you for allowing me to come on and tell you about my book. It's a feel-good book. If you like happy stories and, and if you like to laugh, you'll like this book. Governor,
5: I have one job in this whole thing, uh-huh. and, and, I, and I hope you'll forgive me, but about... <laughs> mymotherbook.com yep. for an autographed copy. She signed a couple thousand with her poor arthritic hands. <laughs> she got through 2,000 signings, and there well, are a couple of... Le- I, I'm just saying.
1: They should, <laughs> they should saying. go for four times the normal price, the price she had to pay to write those signatures. Well, I want to thank both of you. The book <laughs> is called About My Mother, True Stories of a Horse-Crazy Daughter, and her baseball-obsessed mother. And you can find links to buy it. And as Mike said, get an autographed copy and a free bonus story all at aboutmymotherbook.com. That's aboutmymotherbook.com. It's on your screen. Great Christmas idea. And of course, you can keep up with Peggy Rowe at Mike Rowe's Facebook page, and I hope you will. All right, Keith Bilbrey, I bet you may have some stories over there. We'll see if you want to tell one of yours about what's coming up in the show.
0: Well, after the break, it's a -a one-of-a-kind performance by Becky Buller and the Fairfield Four. Then Mike has an idea that will change your future on The Wrap. We'll see you back in 60 seconds.
1: Well, my next guests are a unique combination of two great American art forms. One is a multi award winning bluegrass fiddle player and vocalist, and the second, a Grammy award winning gospel group that started here in Nashville all the way back in 1921. For those of you who do math, that's 97 years ago. So please make welcome Becky Buller and the Fairfield Four. Great having you guys here. Thank you. good to be here. Now, let me just say, it's pretty evident that the four of you uh, were not back there in 1921. That's if so, funny. I won't. Whatever it is, you're taking. OK, <laughs> but the but the group has been going for 97 years. Yes. So is has there been just a non-stop version of the Fairfield Fort all during these times? There was a hiatus, one hiatus. One what time six. was that? Uh, and from between
0: the late 30s and early 50s.
1: Yeah, and Becky, this is kind of a unique thing. You're performing with them and you know, that's a fiddle player, bluegrass, with an acapella gospel group, how'd that happen?
3: Well, I also do a lot of songwriting and, and I actually fell in love with the music of the Fairfield Four through their collaborations with the Nashville Bluegrass Band in the 1990s. And then I got some Fairfield Four records and I started writing some songs that I thought, well, maybe I could get that to them. Maybe mm. maybe they'd cut one of my songs someday. And then a year ago, they agreed to cut this song with me for my new record. And I'm so grateful they did.
1: Before these folks cut loose and sing, I want you to be sure and visit BeckyBuller.com. Discover her amazing bluegrass music. And by the way, she is the first woman to ever win the International Bluegrass Music Association's Fiddle Player of the Year, and the only artist ever to win both instrument and vocal awards from the IBMA. And for an... Yes, give her a hand for that. And for an incredible treat, visit the Fairfield Four for their music and concert schedule at thefairfieldfour.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please make welcome Becky Buller and the Fairfield Four. It's
0: written in the back of the book. It's written in the back of the book. It's written in the back of the book. It's written in the back of the book.
3: Written in the back
0: of the book Don't you know really. Written in the back of the book do not you know really. Written in the back of the
2: book Oh, said it Written in the back of the book Behold, I say
0: In Written in the back of the book. Written in the back of the book. Written in the back of the book. We know which side we're on, and we know, we know who done won the war. It's written it in, the in the back of the book. Don't you know it? written it's written in, written in the back of the book? You know it's written in
2: the back of the book. I said
3: it's Written in the back of the book that we have victory. Victory in it. Jesus, death and our harm. Written in the back of the book. That
1: Thanksgiving weekend, I'd like to offer some words of hope and encouragement to any of you out there, maybe having a rough time with the holidays on The Wrap. <music> well, during this Thanksgiving Day weekend, I hope you and your family are having some great time together with an abundance of delicious food, maybe some football games, but most of all, some time to reflect and be grateful for God's blessings. Just living in America, we're blessed beyond our realizations. There are those who have little and those whose lives are crushed beneath the weight of health, financial, or family problems. But most of us don't live without the support of our family, friends, and our church or synagogue. Without the network of those who truly love and care for us, I'm not sure how we'd make it. If things are tough for you this year, look deep. I bet you're still gonna find many things for which to be eternally grateful. Now, the leftover turkey, well, it can be turned into turkey chili, turkey gumbo, turkey sandwiches, turkey salad, turkey pot pie, turkey and dumplings, or turkey spaghetti. Have you ever thought about the fact that God can take what we think are leftovers of our lives and he can make something wonderful out of them? In fact, sometimes the leftovers are even better than what we started with. And if you can truly thank God for who he is, you might just find the same with all that you give to him as you trust him with the recipe for your life.